0: Welcome to the follow-up podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor Church, and today I am joined by Brian Cobley, our students' director. They just hand shook for the audio listeners; couldn't see that. And uh, Ryan Plants, our lead pastor and speaker from Sunday. So we have started a new series. It's called "Summer on the Mount." Um, This was your second message, Ryan, and. Kind of just talk through. Uh, obviously, "Summer on the Mount" is somewhat self-explanatory, but kind of tell us where you're thinking about going with this series.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's called "Summer on the Mount" because in the Bible, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, and "Summer" and "Sermon" clever. both begin with the letter S. Yep. And so that's clever. I think Allison came up. That was Allison's idea. It was Allison's and, idea. Uh, yeah. It was. It was just like the first pitch, and it was right down the middle. Yep. And it worked. So um the summer on the mount or sermon on the mount uh where are we going with this series um like i mentioned at the beginning of the message our our time right now increasing amounts of uncertainty Mm -hmm. and division and where do we go as a church Mm -hmm. how do we navigate this way forward um and I think there's probably been a lot of great conversations and great podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I've just been more and more convinced that going back to what Jesus said about what the kingdom of God should look like yeah. here on earth as it is in heaven, uh, which we see through the people of God, mm-hmm. um, and uh, no better place to look than where you know Scott McKnight, the biblical biblical scholar, said you know the greatest moral document of all time. Yeah. And um, it's you know we're not going to dive really deep on it. We're only spending four weeks in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, is there so much there.
0: Yeah. Um, You had already kind of said it the, the week before you had uh, spoke on uncertainty and um, that was our first chance to hear from you, um, get to know your preaching style a little bit, obviously for a lot of people is their first opportunity to get to know you as a person on stage. Um, so you came in with this idea of doing Summer on the Mount. We started the first message on uh, peacemakers. Um, which is obviously part of the Beatitudes. Is that the direction that you want to go in this series Beatitudes, or are you going to be jumping all around the Sermon on the Mount? So
1: we're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount, four different teachings from Jesus, kind of in order, um, but that's the only Beatitude we're touching. And you could spend... Mm-hmm. you could spend months in the yep. beatitudes uh, those little phrases are so rich and complex yeah and even getting at you know is, is jesus calling me to be a peacemaker mm. am i already a peacemaker um mm. is do i do i only be am i only able to be called a children of god or a child of god if i mm-hmm. actually make peace like all yeah. those nuances you know there's just so much to uh, get at there um but one, one cool way I've heard about the sermon, a uh, cool way I've heard the Sermon on the Mount described, is that like that beatitude section is kind of like the preamble mm-hmm. and that the Sermon on the Mount is sort of like the, the Christian constitution of sorts. yeah. And that you know those, those kind of first few uh, beatitudes express what, uh, what a follower of Christ or what a kingdom citizen looks like who has been transformed by the Spirit. So, so similar to the fruits of the Spirit that mm-hmm. um, uh, are manifested in our life as we dwell or abide in mm-hmm. the vine, so to speak. Um, the Beatitudes are things that that um, come out as we are transformed by the Spirit. Um, we do practice those things, um, but it's, I guess a long way to answer your question. Mm. Um, we're going to touch on a couple other topics. So this coming week, just to kind of let the cat out of the bag, we'll be um, looking at Jesus' metaphorical mm. teaching on us being salt and light. Yeah, and then we will look at uh, a passage that Jesus teaches on judgment mm-hmm. and judging others and then another passage on uh, retaliation Mm -hmm. and rejecting retaliation.
0: Um, Before we hop too much into this Sunday's message, I did want to spend just a a few minutes uh, at the open to talk about the series as a whole. And I'm curious, was there a strong pull for you, a reason why out out of the Beatitudes you decided to go, blessed are the peacemakers?
1: Yeah. I mean, going back to the idea of uncertainty and division, um, it, it seemed like the most relevant um, uh, beatitude. Uh, mm-hmm. This idea that we are called to enter into um, spaces and places of unhealth and conflict and division, yeah. um, not simply to stir that up uh, or not to kind of paper mache over that problem and kind of just placate to people or please them, but we are actually called to um, go in and construct peace. Mm. It, yeah. it just seemed like the most relevant beatitude. Yeah. out of all of them to, adre- to to address this current cultural moment
0: mm. yeah and i think for for me it was um putting together the slides so getting to see your manuscript a little bit in advance i'd never i had never put together the connection of uncertainty and conflict and when you had said um i think in the beginning you talked about you're either in the storm going into a storm or leaving the storm yeah, and, the, and then you said we can think about it as conflict instead of the word storm mm-hmm. um, and how much uncertainty and conflict really do go hand in hand and I'd never thought about that before.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, conflict can cause uncertainty and uncertainty can cause conflict. I yeah. Mean, it becomes, I mean, I honestly think it's the cycle that we're in right now. I mean,
2: Hayden and I are currently in a conflict. You guys are in a conflict yeah, right now. I'm winning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and actually have won. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sure. Sure. So you say? No, <laughs> no, Brian. Speak more on that.
0: I'd love to hear your thoughts on our conflict <laughs> on a podcast. Um, anyways, um, <clears throat> so n- you had talked about next week. You were uh, we're gonna be talking about salt and light, and then you'd you'd mentioned some of the other things that we would be going towards in this series. Um, I, I do want to focus now more on uh, yester- yesterday's message. Um, When you're putting this series, or putting this message together in the series, was this something that you had started working on before you got to Arbor, like thinking through, here's kind of where I wanna go um, the first few weeks that I'm here? Or was this something that you started Sunday or Monday after last week's message?
1: Yeah, so unlike the first message, which was one that, you know, that passage God had laid on my heart a couple months ago, um, there was a sense in which I, I wasn't quite sure what would be appropriate uh, mm. Entering into this kind of month of August as a church, people are in, uh, you know, on vacation. Um, what direction do we go and again you know I know that um, Allison was the one who suggested summer on the Mount I think Allison was also the one that suggested hey we had seen that you know over the last year you taught through the Sermon on the Mount perhaps that would be a good direction and um, and you know she was right I I Mm. think it was the right step to take as a church yeah uh, because the more I then looked at some of the different messages in the Sermon on the Mount um, some of them really just started to stick out and and seem very relevant to Mm -hmm. kind of catch cast a broader kind of 30,000 foot vision direction yeah. for our church moving forward. Where are we going to go? Yeah. Uh, what kind of church are we going to be? Mm-hmm. And um again like I said, you know, going all the way back 2,000 years ago to where Jesus kind of cast this vision for here's what the kingdom of God looks like. Yeah. And here's what I want my people who are kingdom people to look like. Yeah. And um just a couple of those sermons the ones I'd mentioned really just seem to stick out and there's obviously yeah. so much more there, but in the mm-hmm. time that we had
0: yeah, and I think that that's, um, I think that's so smart to do, like especially when you come into a new church. Like I, different, we do different things on stage. You and me, Ryan. Um, like for me, when I came to Arbor, I I was like, these are the songs that I feel like I can do very well. I can lead the congregation well, and I played those songs when I first got here. And I I appreciate that there's some messages that you have um, that you've done in the past that you have now brought back into this context because. A big part of your job, not only preaching, is getting to know the congregation. And I cannot imagine the amount of meetings and coffees and lunches that you've had. Also, trying to put together a from scratch sermon each week—that would, yeah, <laughs> that the, would take the, you the, out right away.
1: The the problem is, and and Brian, you've preached you know a bunch of times before. The problem is, you you'll have a message that's like um, that you've preached in a different context, and you're like, yeah, yeah I think that's really going to work. And then you bring it like back out, and you look at it, and you review it, and you're like. I've got to change so much about this thing. You know,
2: I've actually done that with our student ministry where there was a company I'm like, you know, I want to see if they would accept some of my sermons. Just submit, see if they would. I would want to help them. And I would overlook. I'm like, oh, this is tailored for my <laughs> for our <Arbor laughs> students, and so there's a lot that I yeah. change even submitting something to where I'm like, nah, this message isn't good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Whether
1: it's like specific like um, uh, analogies mm-hmm. or metaphors or illustrations that only work in one context. Yeah. Or it's. Um, it was just bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like you're like oh that could have been worked and and clarified a Mm -hmm. lot more and for this actually the the blessed are the peacemakers sermon Mm -hmm. um there was a lot of the end that i had to refine and retool Mm -hmm. uh just because it was just not not great all right can i talk about the sermon now
2: that's what we've been doing go for it
1: okay cool yeah so one
2: thing i uh, liked about your the sermon with the sermon on the mount is i think sometimes as Christians we're so far removed from the original context that we can forget how counterculture Jesus was. And so we can read just the beatitudes and be like, yeah, that makes sense. That's totally.
1: Sounds great. Jesus. Totally Jesus,
2: but. I loved how in the peacemaker you brought up the two different, if you want to summarize the 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 three peace versions that we can be as Christians for the, the oh, like person. a peace
1: killer, a peacekeeper, or a peacemaker. Yes, yeah. And
2: even when we were discussing it before you preached, I even was like, "How is a peacekeeper bad?" And um, totally. So with the three, I enjoyed that. Like I, I I enjoy getting back into the shoes where I'm like, man, there are people who heard this that totally would have disagreed. With Jesus, so I love that you brought that up. How there is the, you said the Sadducees, and then the Zealots. Yep, were the
1: the who, peace killers and the peacekeepers. Um, and yeah, um, there was you know the peacekeeper uh, could be the Sadducees. In, you and I even talked, right? And you made a suggestion. I, that, you that, know, that, it's fine. We don't the, need to talk about it. We it don't it need to it talk it about it. hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> but it was it was good in that Matthew, like you said, was a tax collector and would have also been considered an individual who, um. Kind of joined in with the Roman Empire, kept the peace, and almost benefited mm-hmm. from the power structures that existed.
2: Um, and then you also had Simon the Zealot. Yeah,
1: the zealots as the peace killers. Yes. What I think is interesting about those three categories is, you know, by God's grace, we grow and become peacemakers. Uh, but we can not just be peace. We're, we're not just peace killers or peace keepers. We're oftentimes different things in different contexts and different relationships. Mm-hmm. You know uh, at work we might be kind of one blend of a, a, a person at home we might be a different um uh, blend and i was gonna
2: ask that question like which would where, where would you f- naturally find yourself either being a killer keeper or maker but you're right it could be yeah i think different
1: i i think um i think it, it depends on um you know, the, different, the, the person and their relationships, but, you know, perhaps in situations where you feel a sense of um, authority or power, um, you might be a peace killer. Where you're like you know what no one can touch me no one can speak into my life and i can just go in and cause havoc in order to get what i want right mm-hmm. because what do you want to accomplish ultimately as a peace killer the absence of conflict mm-hmm. and so it's like well i can just you know run over these individuals and create the absence of conflict because i'm using my authority in a peace killing way to accomplish my end where you know you might be in a situation maybe in your marriage or or maybe in a work relationship where you kind of naturally gravitate toward being a peacekeeper because you're like, I just want to keep my job. I I don't want to upset my spouse, whatever it might be. And so you just kind of maintain the status quo and and say what needs to be said, you know? So. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, uh, so I did like that. And then I did like when I when even me, when we were talking about it, brought up Matthew, that while Jesus was preaching this sermon in the Beatitudes, like right away, he has two disciples who maybe disagree with each other. Like I always think about how Simon the Zealot probably hated Matthew. 100%. And probably even knew who Matthew was at this point. Like it wasn't like, hey, here's my disciple, here's Matthew, and Simon's like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, tax collect. Exactly. <laughs> like he probably would have known Matthew leading up to even Jesus inviting Matthew in for Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, here I have a question for you. Yeah. You did a great job of telling us the difference between a peace killer, peacekeeper, peacemaker. Could Simon and Matthew both hear peacemaking in their context and go, Yeah, I'm doing that.
1: I'm doing a good job of that. Do you think it took an extra conversation? Easily. easily, Absolutely. I mean, because that's what it takes for us as well. You know, I I brought this up in the peacekeeping section, um, you know, referencing that passage in First Thessalonians and in Romans that um we can be so convicted that the way we're going about trying to achieve or make peace even if it's through peace killing or peacekeeping that what we're doing is is absolutely right and i think that would be a pretty apt point of application for um for us hearing these words of jesus is just some holy spirit quiet time of reflection and and just inviting the spirit to convict my heart and say w- who am i really w- lord how do i approach conflict and i have this perception that i'm a peacemaker mm-hmm. but if i'm not show that to me and share that with me so that i would be able to grow um and become the peacemaker you want me to be so then another question i have
2: because you did a great job of bringing up when G- the first words that jesus said to the disciples after they resurrected, which was peace be with you mm-hmm. in that moment according to the accounts that you read <laughs> yeah um that's when the disciples got the holy spirit When he said peace be with you breathed, mm-hmm. and they received the holy spirit so can we be peacemakers without the holy spirit can oh we? that's
1: no i don't think so you don't think so no okay. no i don't think so i mean i think that peacemaking is an exclusively um god-ordained thing um in the sense that um when peace is defined as shalom, which is harmony, wholeness, and healthiness in our relationship with God and with others that can't be accomplished um, apart from the work of the Lord. Does that mean that like there aren't various forms of peace that can exist in relationship between different groups of people, you know, exactly. Like you can, you can show that sign and accomplish some level of peace. Right. (laughs) Um, But there, there there's a sense where, yeah, no, like I don't, I don't see how it's possible, you know, our relationship with god and our relationship with others both both deeply important and also both deeply intertwined with each other so mm. all right Hayden, i'm done oh. oh i got the questions i want <laughs> i can keep, I keep going if you want me
2: to keep going
0: keep i mean everything you've been asking has been great keep going what do you got
2: all right so then let's see we're talking about the peace peace killer peacemaker i will say peace killer one to me is it's it's thought provoking of how many times in my life that I've tried to create peace by by killing something. I think and I think the when we talked about it, the example that I said was, you know, I've seen people, I've and I've been a part of a church like this where a leader felt like there was conflict. In order to fix conflict, fired like three people,
1: <laughs> and so I may or may not have seen this before. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's that's a that's a piece. Killer, And I think a lot of times in our life, we maybe not in you know, the higher up positions, but how many times in our life do we do that where we think t- in order to receive peace, there needs to be an absence of something.
1: Precisely, precisely. And, and when we talk about peacemaking and you juxtapose it to peace killing, Jesus being the quintessential peacemaker made peace in a way that was very creative and counterintuitive to the way of the world. And so in the midst of that situation where the individual thought that the best way to make peace in this environment is to fire these three people, what might have like cross-shaped peacemaking look like in that situation? I would, I'll tell you what, it would have been harder. Um, there would have been more like overall hostility in the like um, beginning parts of the conversation and navigating that. But I think ultimately it would have landed in a healthier space.
2: Mm-hmm. Cause then I wanna ask this, because after that happened, I got a little fearful of my position at this church. So I actually ended up killing myself from this church by quitting and saying, I need to go to a new church.
1: Because true shalom was never built. The thing that was seated inside was more conflict and, and the opposite of shalom. And so even though there was a surface level of peace deeper down inside would have been planted as, as the result of these peace-killing decisions mm. was, was an unhealthier culture, uh, instead of truly resolving and engaging and seeing like true shalom in that environment. So mm. did I do the right thing or could I have, could I have
2: pursued the peacemaking in that process
1: oh man that's something that you'll have to figure out right i don't know that, that i could that. fully answer because i bet there's people in that i mean in our that's a big that is it that is a that but it is a great question to understand when when do i have to tap out mm. and, and no longer uh, will my efforts in making peace be fruitful um and and i wish i had thought about that a little bit more in advance because i'm sure there's some pretty wise mm. things to say to that Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, do you, I don't, I mean, I think about, I do think that I had to leave,
2: like, Mm -hmm. I do believe there's other factors besides that, that Mm -hmm. I had to leave, um, in order to kind of keep my own shalom within just, uh, wanting to be in full-time ministry. Um, but you know, I I try and branch out a little bit into like the secular world of like, I think we live in an area where a lot of times in advancement in life, you got to move to a different company or different position. And would that be. Like if you're unhappy and, and well, settled. I would say
1: like you know maybe in your life um, we have to see how um, this one area where there isn't peace is affecting other areas of our lives that are of greater priority. Oh, that's so a, you know what I mean. That's so, if, good. so if, yeah. So if we see that like, hey, in in the workplace, I'm experiencing like this absence of true peace, and it's it's bleeding out into my marriage yeah. or into my friendships or into my ability to really didn't, follow after Jesus. Didn't even think of that. Then if that if that happens, then it's like. and and I'm unable to make peace in this environment then yeah it has to go
2: Mm. um so you're instead what looks like is peace killing is actually peacemaking in the mm. bigger priority of your life
1: yeah and and I think the things that we are called to make peace the areas that we are called to make peace in um I think the Lord makes clear like you know these relationships or or these this this workplace uh, you know for instance i was talking to uh, someone after the service that's dealing with some conflict and some friendships and um, we, we talked it out a little bit and spent a little time in prayer um, but there's a level of hey we live on this side of eternity and we will never experience true and lasting shalom on this side of eternity mm-hmm. and there are going to be certain situations that are broken and for the time being remain broken and we have to mourn and grieve over that because that's not the way god wanted that to be um, but that doesn't mean that we still, that doesn't mean that we don't hope for Shalom to reach that at some point yep. or in some time, like that church that you left, like, rather than be like, oh, I'm so glad I got out of that place, you know, which I think is a very easy thing for all of us to it do is. that have <laughs> left those kinds of places. Um, but to, to mourn over its situation and continue to pray that Shalom would be there, that, that true peace would mm. reign in that place. Yeah. And mm. I will,
2: I'll, I'll, even say for even the listeners, um, I'm still close with that the lead pastor there, mm-hmm. Him every time he comes over here, I go visit him, hang out with him. So it was just my position yeah. in that church that I felt like I couldn't do anymore. But totally. the mm-hmm. relationship well, I, is... I think in that sense, mm-hmm.
1: you know, you can um, be really grateful that you do have that relationship and that there is still some level of peace as a result. So mm-hmm. then we talked
2: about the peace killer. Now I want to go a little bit with peace keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every, I'm, I don't like conflict. Um, I get very uncomfortable with conflict. Uh, I've noticed that when I was in college, uh, when you go to a Bible college, for some reason, people think they
1: know more than the professors. And I so think that's every help.
0: college. What'd you say? I think that's every college. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. There's something very particularly special about Bible college yeah. and like Christian students, yeah. though, that are yes. somehow especially arrogant, despite yes. their calling to be yeah. humble. Yeah. I don't know.
2: And so it happened a lot where students just start debating the professor. And I'm like, there's some people who are like, oh yeah, here, this is why I go to class. I'm just like laptop and just take myself out of that situation. And I'm fearful of how many times I do that just in life where there is conflict and I don't physically like take myself out, but I sell myself like, yeah, no, that's fine. That's good. Um, I want to talk more about that. Like how, like when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, how could that affect it on your everyday life of, or maybe not being a great example of Jesus if you're doing that or really trying to achieve that shalom Mm. that you're talking about as we're trying to just
1: conform. Mm. So, like, are you asking how does being, like, a peacekeeper, someone who might just kind of remove themselves from the room Mm -hmm. or the conversation, how does does following that road affect your
2: relationship with Jesus? Jesus or just relationship, the priority relationships?
1: Yeah. Well, I think for the peacekeeper, the... the the biggest struggle is fear of the conflict, like you said. Mm -hmm. And what you, um, and I'm a people pleaser and I don't like conflict either. Um, But what I found is that oftentimes what I am, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, Um, uh, depriving myself of Mm -hmm. is the opportunity to not see conflict as an obstacle, but an opportunity to trust Jesus in that conflict and to um, lean on him and know that his word says, the truth will set you free. Uh, His word uh, calls us to be peacemakers. And so if I don't do that, then I'm depriving myself of an opportunity to place my faith in Jesus and instead have placed my faith in myself or in whatever status or situation that I'm in. Yeah. And, And so in that sense, I am not stepping into this kind of opportunity to see Jesus work in a situation where he might be able to completely transform this, whatever it might be that Mm -hmm. you're struggling with, your marriage or your relationship with your kid Mm -hmm. or um, a friendship, a roommate situation. We tend to, as peacekeepers, we tend to kind of live in sort of like the C minus environment. You know, like Mm -hmm. I guess it's good enough, and nothing's ever perfect, and that person's (laughs) a sinner. You know, and then and then though, like if if we there's an opportunity to kind of speak truth in a situation or confront a a matter lovingly and in patience Mm and with kindness, Um, I just we we deprive ourselves, I think, Mm -hmm. of what God really can do in, in that relationship or in that in that situation.
0: But Cs do get degrees.
1: <laughs> this is true, and so, that's again I don't, I don't that is know. that is <laughs> the that's the motto it, of the yeah. peacekeeper in life. I guess, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> what uh, I think
0: was interesting, though, that you asking that question, Brian, is when you have when you're talking about a peace killer, right? You're talking about a peacekeeper and then a peacemaker. I think that the peacemaker looks different in whatever context, right? I think a peacemaker is not only someone who is Following Jesus, but as also a fully formed, mature adult, right? Yeah, it's and like realizing they, have, they also but, have like
2: emotional intelligence, they can, exactly. They, like they realizing, can read, read yeah. the room, read the people, realizing
0: that sometimes, yes, you need to step right to that person and tell them the truth and say, like, what you're doing's not okay. Kind of going into it knowing that there's gonna be conflict there. And then I've in my life experienced sometimes people come in hot to things. And you're only going to escalate, right? Yeah. So I think that you maybe some of the things that we would hear from that message on Sunday is like, okay, no, I can't be silent, but there is definitely situations and times where you have to realize, I can't go in and escalate this thing. And I know as long as, let's say you're just gonna be stepping on me for a few minutes, you're gonna be letting me have it. I know that in an hour, two hours, you're gonna calm down and I can go back and have that conversation be like, What you did was not okay. I can handle it, but like you should not be going into situations being like this with other people, um, being divisive, leading with this, you know, this rage or anger. So I think that that's the other part of the peacemaker when you ask about peacemaker, peacekeeper, is I think the peacemaker also
1: has to know like, the context of the situation they're in well and that's going back to the message and the way of a peacemaker someone who sees the person yeah. or situation through the eyes of jesus mm-hmm. uh, and immerses themselves in that context yep. i think there are very few opportunities for the individual who does those two things to have like high levels of anger yes <laughs> you know yeah. i think when we're doing those two things yeah. You just rarely saw Jesus respond that way, no. and people are like very quick to be like, "Well, he flipped tables. He flipped. Yeah. It. He did. <laughs> I was gonna say that. He, he did, but he did it once. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we see that, and 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 I do believe that perhaps in very rare circumstances there is the opportunity for some level of righteous anger, mm-hmm. uh, I, but I just you, you don't see that as the normative response mm-hmm. that Jesus has to to, to broken situations. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus, as he went
2: off and prayed in the mountain a lot, he just practiced what he really wanted to say. He just couldn't let his uh, scribes hear what he wanted to say.
1: So he was like, he was like well rehearsed, is what you're saying. No,
2: like he would like say the right thing, like okay. he'd be the peacemaker. Okay. But then he's like, hey guys, I gotta go pray. He just runs and then just starts yelling, venting he- it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. We can talk about that later. Yeah, sure. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's funny.
0: Oh. Brian, do you have any more questions? Because we're getting to the 30 minute mark, so we should be wrapping up uh, soon. I'm
2: pretty good, I, I really want to discuss that more. And uh, we did have this discussion leading up to it that how important peace is to Jesus, mm-hmm. that um, I was telling you, your sermon reminded me of, I think it was Jesus who said that if um, you come to the altar with an offering, and you still have like this, this conflict or this, you need to seek forgiveness from your brother, then leave your offering at the altar, go pretty much find peace, with your brother, and then you can come back and yeah. give. So when I heard your message, I'm like, man, it, that peace with people, the peacemaking is mm-hmm. incredibly important. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as we talk about with Jesus, I mean, he's the ultimate peacemaker with the us. ultimate
1: reconciler, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He's the one who truly has reconciled us to God and affords us the opportunity to be reconciled to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: One thing I, um, I appreciate all the questions. Uh, Brian Brian brought today, uh, but there was one thing I did want to say before we wrapped up. I appreciated um, in in your like uh, you did like a compare contrast, right? You did the peace killer versus the peacemaker, right? There was three words, each each of the words had a sentence, and then on the other side there was three words. So I think it was like. Um, I can't remember what the peace killer was, but it was like see... C- oh, it was, so the peace killer was like notice, diagnose, and solve. Yes. Yeah. And then the peacemaker was what? Some, I remember C- contend was one C of them. See,
1: immerse, contend.
0: Yeah. And I what I loved about see see the situation or the person through Jesus' eyes is most of the people or um, let's even just take a step back and look at these events of divisiveness or whatever... Um, these situations are typically happening because of a perceived or actually felt injustice, right? Someone's coming into something because they feel wronged or maybe there's some sort of injustice that happened to them and they're just perpetuating the cycle of something bad happened to me. Now I'm going to do something bad to someone else. And I think the cool part about seeing someone through Jesus' eyes is you see someone come in hot to a situation or angry or wanting to hurt people, and when you're able to see them through Jesus' eyes of, Oh, you were just hurt before this and you just want someone else to feel a little bit of the pain that you felt. Hurt people, and it's no, hurt people what? Hurt people hurt exactly, people, exactly, right? Like it's the it's the classic idiom of just like it's a cycle, it's a wheel and it'll just keep going unless someone steps in and breaks it and I think that that's definitely what's needed right now, right? We just see it people are kicking the can down the road of like that's that's not my, you know, issue to deal with and I think that's what's um, really important for us to know about peace killers and peace keepers is if we're silent and we just let it go by, it's we're now a part of that cycle, right? If we don't step in and, and try and make the peace in that situation. So I really appreciated that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does create a cycle and I think that's the beautiful thing about um, Jesus is mm-hmm. he gives us the ability, the strength, he affords us the opportunity to break those cycles Yeah, uh, and to step in. And that's what he did for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, he broke that cycle Yeah, and, um, it, that's why instead of resolving conflict, conflict through strength and through the sword, yeah, in order to break that cycle, it's usually through some level of suffering and self-sacrifice yeah. in order to see that uh, thing end.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, I'm going to wrap
0: things up because we are, are right around the half hour mark. Um, thank you guys for sitting down and chatting with us. Yeah, thanks, Aiden. And uh, thanks, thanks for Brian. the listeners or yeah. watchers. And uh, we will see you guys
1: next week. See you guys.